Welcome to episode one of Who Do You Think You Are? My name is Elan Ezekiel, an adventurer in the Juniverse. In this first episode of Who Do You Think You Are? I was joined by my friend Penny Rabiger. To set the scene for the journey ahead, we introduced the three most commonly known Jewish communities, including the largest by numbers, the Ashkenazim. Penny and I share our family stories and how our British Jewish identities have been shaped by our families and the ignorance and racism of others. We point towards the sorts of stories we will explore in future episodes and, of course, talk about food. I am very grateful to Penny for joining me in this conversation and to you for listening. At the end of the episode, I'll share more about how you can get involved and what's coming in the next episodes. But for now... Let the journey into the universe begin. The journey needs to start somewhere. So we're going to kick things off by starting close to home. I've invited my friend to help me get started. Hey, Penny, do you want to introduce yourself? Maybe explain why you're here? Hey, so yeah, I'm Penny Rabiger, which incidentally is not a Jewish name, but we'll come to that. My mother's side of the family are. Ashkenazi Jews who on her paternal side were born and lived in India and they anglicized their name Cohen to Cowan. On my maternal grandmother's side they seem to be descended from Levi's who were based in what was once Prussia. These are all little bits that I've picked up probably inadequately and I'm sure I'll be told off by my sister at some point. (laughs) who knows all of the stuff. You should have had her on here, in fact. Listen, anyway, this is family's for. Yeah, I'll check with her after. My maternal grandfather, he was educated at a boarding school in the Himalayas. And yeah. there might have been some Iraqi ancestry in there. There's a Rachel Awad that we managed mm-hmm. to find somewhere in there. And then my father's side appear to be Londoners, bricklayers, chimney sweeps from Barnet. And he had a secular Christian upbringing. My, my own father has been doing some intense researching of his roots, as uh-huh. the older generation tend to do once they have a bit of time on their hand. And uh, he seems to have traced back to Argentina and potentially links to the Jewish diaspora there. So it all comes wow. back round. Wow. <laughs> <clears throat> and then, yeah, just to add to the whole Jewish flavor. So we grew up in Golders Green. Okay, well, that's, you know, you're pretty on, on brand there, right? Well, except only because my non-Jewish father found a property there in the 60s. And my mother, the daughter of card-carrying, religion-rejecting communists, never (laughs) quite forgave him for that. Not least because he then chipped and went to live in America and we all grew up and and lived in Golders Green. Anyway, so that anti-Semitism has been a feature of our upbringing in various forms. And I think the fact it's kind of in the form of the fact of us being Jews was central to our identity, even though we never celebrated anything. We had very Mm -hmm. little knowledge of what it entailed, except sort of vicariously through witnessing others in the neighborhood. And then later at secondary school, you know, I went to a secondary school that was kind of 50 percent Jewish. So you never know. Our families might have crossed paths, Ilan in India, in Europe, or more likely our mums might have clashed shopping (laughs) trolleys in Sainsbury's and Golders Green in the 1970s. Who knows? My mum's family are Ashkenazi Jews. They left Poland 
Poland-Russia border area, somewhere the, from the 19th to 20th century, pogroms. They left because of pogroms. Very clear. They weren't necessarily leaving for a better life. My grandfather on my mum's side, he was, we don't, there's a lot of mystery about his background. He was Jewish, but there's, you know, the, the, the story's a bit mistier there. And my dad's family are Indian Jews. Uh, B'nai Israel community. So this is a community of Jews from near Mumbai, as well uh, as is the Konkan coast that go back over 2000 years. And I grew up with my Indian grandparents. So I sort of grew up in a fairly Asian household where my grandparents had a house in Stamford Hill. So we were surrounded by (laughs) surrounded by the Ashkenazi community. And, you know, that bit of Hackney was still pretty Mm multi-ethnic and I felt fairly comfortable between in in, in some ways with that, with, you know, bagels. I think really they should be bagels, bagels and jalebis. Let bagels be bagels. That's very good. I thought that was all cool. I think really, I mean, I didn't really notice a lot of stuff until I got to my teens and then, yeah, I sort of experienced anti-Semitism both as a Jew and racism, see all the racism again around my family, about my brown family and sort of, yeah, struggled a bit to make sense of what my identity meant with all of that. As many, like, you know, we both have, you know, if you're mixed, you're kind of aware of those boundaries in some ways, as well as the as well as the problems and you know I as I present as white but my family don't there's that weird thing that I I don't look it I feel more mixed I'm not religious but as this podcast is testament to I'm really as you know as you said about getting older more more intrigued about my origins and how that got there so I wanted to kind of know what kind of Jew I am and Mm -hmm. this is what why we're doing this right by asking who do you think you are to other Jews, I hope we can make Judaism a bit more inclusive and help people who are mixed or have got more complex stories understand their place and help others understand that place better and help non-Jews and Jews to see how diverse Jewish stories really are. Thanks, Penny. That's, really, <laughs> that's a really good introduction to us. We're going to try to be Jewish in the way that we do this we could do anything else right we're going to try to do this in the style of what's known as a chavosa right which basically is about the the way that talmud or torah and the accompanying books is studied right it's done in a small group of students who analyze discuss they try to extend each other's knowledge they challenge but the aim of it is not to win an argument or make everybody agree with a certain way of doing things it's about sharpening each other's ideas and it's about maybe arriving at entirely new insights to all those involved so we'll talk about things that might feel contentious that might feel unfinished that might feel that we've opened something and we haven't explained it or closed it or we've referred to something in a way that doesn't sit well with you and I guess what we're saying is we we encourage you to respond in a way that follows the tradition of chavota If you've organized your thoughts into a better logical argument, let's hear it. If you you want to help our reasoning by walking us through, coaching us through that, that's great. You've heard out our reasoning. 
-hmm. we want to hear yours but for the aim of questioning and sharpening everybody's understanding so yeah bring the challenge bring it bring Bring it it. right off to the universe right let's go What we're going to do is start by setting out the three major groups of Jews that most people will have heard of. We're going to come on to look at other Jewish communities and maybe look at the distinctions a bit in a bit more detail and those cultures. But there's three major groups that that we probably need to look at. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's start off with those. And some people listening might have heard of them because they make up the majority of Jews around the world. So that's the main groups are known as Sephardim, Ashkenazim, and Mizrahim, or Eastern Jews, as they're sometimes known. So let's start with the Sephardim. So Sephardim is a term that is used to describe Jews of Spanish and Portuguese descent from the Iberian Peninsula and uh, and closely connected to North African history, more of which on later episodes. Many of these Jews were expelled from Spain and Portugal during the Inquisition and eventually settled in places like Turkey, Greece and North Africa and beyond. And then we've got the Ashkenazim. So they're the Jews of Central and Eastern European descent. And many of those Ashkenazi Jews settled in areas that are now Germany, Poland, Russia, Lithuania, Ukraine. These are the biggest group of Jews in terms of numbers, even after the Shoah, so the Holocaust. And at one point, they were contained within the Pale of Settlement, an area where Jews were allowed to live by the Tsars. And finally, we have the Mizrahi Jews, who are Jews of Middle Eastern and North African descent. And they come from areas like Morocco, Iraq and Iran, Libya, Syria, yeah, so it's, it's quite amazing to see how Jewish cultures developed and spread across the world over time. And each of those groups has its own unique traditions and customs. And that's kind of what makes them so special and, and kind of identifiable. One example of that is the, is the food, is the cuisine, right? It's all about so food. It's all, oh, it's all about it is for food. Us. And this, with this podcast, you know, we're not really looking at religious practice, right? We're not going to focus on that. But let's start with the food, right? Because that's one thing that most, most of us can all agree on. And Sephardic Jews often incorporate Mediterranean ingredients into their dishes, while Ashkenazi Jews tend to have more Eastern European flavours in their cuisine. So I guess the difference there is perhaps some really exciting spices and then you've got pickle food you know that might be an obvious distinction and there's a there's a saying in hebrew which is altam vereach en litvaker on taste and smell there is no argument which actually is not true because we can argue about <laughs> anything but i just you know anyway so mizrahi jews incorporated Middle Eastern spices and flavours into their dishes. And it's really fascinating to see how different groups have developed their own cultures while sort of still remaining part of the Jewish community and and absorb the cultures and the flavours and the cooking styles of, you know, wherever they were placed at the time. And so in terms of British and American Jewish culture, Ashkenazim dominate in, in terms of numbers and in terms of religious practice and food and in terms of how Jews are seen by non-Jews as well. But I think both Sephardim and Mizrahi Jews can feel sidelined, both by mm. Ashkenazi Jews 
I think we'll cover a lot of that in later episodes, but also by non-Jews who don't always, they can't really get their heads around how an Arab can be a Jew or how a Jew can have darker skin. Yeah, that's going to be something we're really going to get into properly. There's lots more there, but that whole idea of how Ashkenazim sort of have come, come to dominate, that's been called Ashkenormativity. And it, I think that idea, and it was tackled in a landmark report from the, the normally very conservative Board of Deputies of British Jews. It was a really great report, really worth digging out, led by the Financial Times journalist Stephen Bush. And in that, there were a set of recommendations to help make British Jewish culture more inclusive. But it was really around that idea of how Ashkenormativity is the norm and is sort of endemic and exploring maybe where some of those tensions are. It's not all bad, right? It's not about good and bad, but it's understanding where those tensions are and what maybe would be the benefits of resolving it. Talk to us about grandfather. Sure. So my grandfather arrived in England in in the 1950s from a learned and proud tradition of B'nai Israel practice, only to struggle for acceptance from fellow Jews and to help others to be accepted as Jews in the East End of London. And the main reason for that was not because they didn't know enough. It was largely because they were brown. Mm -hmm. And even now, most Jews I meet have never heard of Indian Jews. And they come with all sorts of misunderstandings, preconceptions, and yeah, you know, some prejudice about Jews coming from outside these three groups. So they think that they're converters, married married in. in. The concept of like 200 more years of... 2000 2000 sorry got my Mm. zeros muddled up (laughs) yeah 2000 years or more it just blows it does it blows their mind there's definitely a look that you you know it's a bit like the where are you from where are you really from question Mm. so okay so you're Jewish how are you Jewish you know Mm. because you can't you know your dad can't your dad's not Jewish right I can see them trying to compute and that's Mm. again it's largely a function of ignorance as well as prejudice not enough people know these stories which again is why we want to do these podcasts right is to to amplify some of these stories a bit yeah and sorry to interject but the you know the race researcher in me also says it's it's ignorance is manufactured as well as being you know omission is sometimes crafted to, to uphold that Ashkenormativity that we talked about. Yeah, in lots of ways, this is limiting for all Jews or for people who identify as Jewish. Mm-hmm. The idea that really there are these three groups mm-hmm. and that's it. You're either mm-hmm. Mizrahi, you're either Sephardim, or mm-hmm. ideally you're Ashkenazim, right? Yeah. So, so there's that limiting constraint. That constraint is a struggle for all, but some have been able to find it easier it feels like the the Sephardim from the Iberian story mm. coming from Spain or Portugal have found it more straightforward to find a place in British Jewry. Again, mm. I'm happy to be challenged on that. I think Mizrahi still struggle here. Mm. But in Europe and the US, where Ashkenazim dominate, I think that there's a there's also it's it's a struggle that contains everybody, I think really. So we're I think as as we're all exploring questions of race and identity more broadly, I think it's really healthy for the Jewish community to ask itself some tough questions about it, how race has changed and adapted the stories and the identities that we present to the world and to ourselves. 
Yeah, and I'm wondering also if, like, in a way, when you're presenting yourself to the English world, it's kind of enough to say that you're Jewish and to deal with all that comes with that and to then add in, yeah, but also we're descended from, you know, Iraqi heritage. It just seems like a step too far. So you kind of (laughs) give people as much as they can cope with and then just kind of breathe in deeply when all of the assumptions come out. Yeah, when I meet people, it's like new people and they, because of my name, it's unusual right so people ask they say well where's your name from because they can tell I'm weird right and it's you want to judge how well they cope with the Jewish bit first how's this conversation going to go and then if, if if and because I present as white most people don't ask about anything else mixed people talk about this all the time it's that sort of you don't want to, you can't trump card it, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm a bit brown too, you know, you know, that's mm-hmm. like, you know, why would you bring that up when for so many people, the bigger, weirder thing, certainly for a lot of British non-Jews is the fact that I'm Jewish, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know, meeting people of mixed heritage or, or different racial backgrounds. I'm speaking to a race researcher here, so I'm very nervous. But I'm ethnic- a baby race researcher, don't worry, I don't. Apart from that, that aspect of ethnicity, there's the sort of, you know, that there's a, there's a bigger world of anti-Semitism and confusion around that so it feels safer to just test people out with that first at school myself I made the mistake of telling people because I was an idiot because you were proud of your heritage I was I made the mistake of saying interesting I told people that I was Jewish yeah and I told people I was Indian (laughs) so I spent five years being bullied for being a Jew and I was called a yid and the p-word and all of that they were like oh wow we get we've got the whole two sets of things to Mm. have a go at this guy so but that was because I gave it to them memories about my grandfather about Mm. way people treated him he was a very proud man and watching him absorb other people's racism and laughing when they met you know went ding ding and all that sort of stuff and just trying to just let it go and not let it bother him and and that was from other Jews I remember just being so angry Mm. (laughs) on his behalf because that was a lot for him to do And that was just pure racism. Do you know what's so interesting is this need to create others. And I read a book recently by Alastair Bonnet called Multi-Racisms. And and it is this kind of, you know, every kind of perceptively oppressed group looks for the one that's on the lower rung or... As humans, we tend to identify kind of what's in and what's out, and it and it can form along perceived racial lines. So we we've kind of we've explored these sort of perceived hierarchies around proximity to whiteness within the Jewish communities, with Ashkenazi seeing itself as the elite. And at the top. And if I think about my father-in-law, who's Iraqi and Jewish, and how he was treated arriving in Israel, so fleeing persecution in Iraq, and arriving with his mother and with his siblings, and they were sprayed with DDT because the assumption was that they were lice infested. Oh, God. They were placed in refugee camps in tents in the north where, you know, if you know anything about the kind of climate in in Israel, the north is 
cold in winter and wet. Oh, as opposed to my mother-in-law's family who are, or she was born in Israel, mm-hmm. but her family mm-hmm. are from European descent, who, you know, stepped off the boat and the plane or however they arrived and kind of just glided into setting things up and getting things going. Yeah. So the treatment is so different based on those perceived racial lines and what people bring with them certainly in britain the other the sephardim have been more settled here they've mm. had quite a long history so, you know it goes back all the way to, to the inquisition right so they've had a long time to alongside the ashkenazi community and some of that is because they're all europeans and because those communities stayed in touch mm. through the from the 13th century onwards so they've they've been alongside each other but there was definitely, or my assertion is, that there was more of a break between the Mizrahi communities. And this is even before we get on to all the other communities, right? In this conversation, we're mostly talking about the Mizrahim, the Ashkenazim and the Sephardim. Two of those groups sort of settled comfortably-ish with each other, whereas the Mizrahi were on much more on their own, in often in in communities where there was very different history happening. Mm. You know, the European tides of history were were things that affected the Eastern European Jews were also not that far away from from the Spanish and Portuguese Jews. The Jews in Iraq were having a totally different story, right? The other thing is interesting to note is then to to all intents and purposes on the outside, they're all Jews and we all kind of, it doesn't make any difference. And yet there's the keeping of those boundaries. A lot of our families would have expected us to marry Jews, but also Jews within our own kind of ethnic group. So again, going back to my in-laws, their marriage was seen as interracial marriage. So, you know, for his family, it's like marrying up. And for her family, it's kind of marrying down. And and they had the same kind of all shame, shame for the children things Mm. that people used to get around that time in this country when there was interracial marriage here or maybe still do. My dad, brown man, marrying a white woman in the 60s, but all Jews, right? There's, there's so much that we've covered here about the, the issues of race as it relates to Judaism and the three communities that people will have be aware of of Ashkenazim and Sephardim and Mizrahim but there are communities that are completely outside of that and we haven't looked at those today mm. and we we've kind of hinted at them we talked a bit about my family's background and the Bene Israel one of those communities there are communities in that come from Ethiopia from Uganda from Mali from Japan Jamaica uh, and these stories do not readily fit under the three labels that we've talked about that's right we've only just really skimmed the surface mm. but even within those three major labels there are big questions around race and colorism oh my gosh there's a whole thing about colorism in mm-hmm. in judaism and the european heritage privileges that some people have around not just racism but colonialism there's the history of it there's the history of colonialism uh, and as it relates to, to Jewish history and there are other stories to tell black and brown Jewish stories that challenge some of those narratives and maybe offer a way to reset Judaism and how do you see themselves 
and how other people see Jews. So I hope that by exploring some of these stories, we can offer a bit of hope. Maybe our curiosity. Amen to that. Amen to that. Right. And maybe open up some of the opportunities for us to come together, whether we believe in anything or not, and Mm -hmm. to be prouder of our Jewish heritage. Yeah. Amen. This was episode one of Who Do You Think You Are? Exploring the Universe with me, Elan Ezekiel, and today's guest, Penny Rabiger. Thanks, Penny. Where can people find out more about your work? <laughs> well, they can just Google my name and all sorts of weird and wonderful things might come up. So it's Penny, R-A-B-I-G-E-R, which actually spells Rabiger. I am pursuing my PhD I am looking at people leading on anti-racism in schools and I coach people around that and I do all sorts of freelancey things in that space. Well, thanks again. That was episode one of Who Do You Think You Are? Exploring the Universe with me, Elan Ezekiel, and today's guest, Penny Rabiger. Thanks, Penny. She is awesome, as you heard. You can find Penny on Twitter. That's Penny underscore T-E-N. And on her blog, Ten Pence More. I'd urge you to check out her work and to follow her on the socials. You can find me on Twitter at Elan Ezekiel. That's at E-Y-L-A-N-E-Z-E-K-I-E-L. I'd love your feedback. And if your heritage is from outside the European Jewish story, we'd love to share your story. Please get in touch with either of us via Twitter or via the form in the show notes. Thank you for listening all the way through and for joining me, Elan Ezekiel, in Who Do You Think You Are? <laughs>